A little okay. bit better. Hi, right. Philip. Hello. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Right. It's been an interesting week. Yeah, has it? Yeah. So it's been. Has it been interesting for me? I think so, but probably not. How interesting. It's been a regular. I watched Twins for the first time um, last night, and then uh, I saw a really good murder show. Oh, so speaking of murders, uh, Ted Bundy. They did the thing on Netflix, right? And if you notice, it's all him. Like they glorify him, right? Like, oh, I know. And I... then twenty twenty did one on like how he was a rotten piece of shit, and so it's just interesting how Netflix. They put out that show, and that guy, same guy that did the documentary, did the movie with Zac Efron right. that got bought by Netflix that's going to be coming down. So it's yeah. like, is that going to be, oh, look, Ted Bundy was a good, nice, sweet, smart guy. I just can't get into it. Yeah. I wanted to watch it, but like there was too much. I kept seeing it on Instagram yeah. and everywhere, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm over it already. It was good. Like, I didn't know about him escaping twice. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so that was interesting. But other than that, and then him doing his own court case, like he uh, represented himself. And that stuff, like he's talking to the cop, and he's like, so uh, tell me all about, what did you see when you walked in the room? And he just keeps... Like, and what else? And how much blood? And how much? And you know he's getting off on it. Right. And even one of the jurors keeps looking at him like, Why are you asking all that? Yeah. Ew. That's gross. It's just creepy. But uh, other than that, my week, my week, or weeks have been good. Um, working on my podcast, by the way. Hello, I'm from my Sailor at Heart podcast. Yeah, everybody, this is Philip again with us, joining uh, me today, helping me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been an interesting two weeks. Um I don't know if I mentioned this the last time, but since the last time I did but we did a podcast together. Uh-huh. Um I've picked up an extra member of my family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you told me, but not the audience. Yeah. yeah. So I have a three year old, my three year old nephew, and we've been dealing with that. <laughs> Yeah. My life is, I don't know if anybody out there has listened to, if anybody out there has like a three-year-old, you know what uh, Baby Shark is. So yeah, I walk yeah. around saying, do, 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 Baby Shark, do, 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 do. I, I was literally by the copy machine today, <laughs> dancing to the Baby Shark, and somebody walked in and I was like. I would think all the women who have kids are probably all singing that, but yeah, not a a 40 something year old woman no 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 who no no, no. yeah it's it's not like singing spongebob i've anymore. raised my three kids yeah. so yeah it's a interesting that's funny it's a learning curve again yeah it's funny right now this just hit me totally off topic me doing the podcast i feel like i gotta run it like i'm ready to and then i'm like no i'm on her podcast like what am i <laughs> Like, I'm like, okay, I need to, what do I need to talk about now? Yeah, you guys, um, Yvette couldn't join us today. But anyways, Philip's here to help out, and um, he's got a story. We're going to do the switch up where I'm doing a murder, and he's doing something paranormal. So that's what it is. That's right. Are we ready? Are we jumping in? (laughs) Yeah, let's jump. Well, first of all, Philip brought some wine today. Oh, yes. He brought... Dearly beloved, forever red. 
It's really, really good. And it's got a it's got a cool picture. That's why I bought it. <laughs> it's like a, a what do you call it? like Ed Hardy or something? Wasn't yeah, kind of. So it's a skull with like flowers and and then I'd read it, but uh, my glasses are in my pocket, so I can't. But anyway, it's a red wine. I guess it's good. It is Alma good. Says. I drink beer. I like orange blossom, Papago. That's my favorite. Yeah, I like beer. It just doesn't like me back. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) But my show, my story, is about reincarnation. Oh. So I had heard this other story before, which I'll get to in the second part of it. But it's about this woman, Dorothy Edie, the reincarnation of Om Seti, Priestess of the Nile. What? So some of this I'm going to read because, see, now I need my glasses. Where'd my jacket go? I'm old, 47, and I need reading glasses. You're 47? Yeah, I'll be 48 in August. Oh, yay, somebody's older than me around here. We're already, uh, my wife and I are planning my 50th birthday. Oh. And four years ago, she was like, oh, you know, we can have your 50th birthday party here at the Biltmore. And I was like, like at a restaurant over there called the... Someplace tacos. Um, <laughs> she was like, Some we could have it. There's downstairs. a lot of taco shops in Phoenix. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's like, which one? Be specific. And uh, it's called uh, Blanco's Tacos. Oh, yeah. And they have really good tacos they if do. you go before six. And uh, so she goes, you could have it downstairs. I said, oh, that'll be good. My 50th birthday. And then all of a sudden I go, oh my God, that's only in, for one, it's in four years right. at the time. Okay. I got four years to wait. But then also I'm like, but I want to be there now. Like I'll have Alma and everybody over and we'll have the birthday. And then the other day she goes, yeah, but if we have a house, we'll just have it there. Like we don't need to, you know. We had a Christmas party there at Blanco's. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah, downstairs. Yeah, it was nice. That's cool. That's what we were going to do. But anyway, sorry I went off topic. It's okay. That's what we do. Okay. so this You're fitting right in. Oh, good. good. I'm glad. (laughs) So this... uh, the way it's written, I'm going to read this because this kind of hits you, whoever wrote this. I'm sorry I don't have, I erased his name, but anyway. On the banks of the Nile near an ancient temple built to the god Osiris by Pharaoh Seti I lived an elderly English woman. But this was no ordinary lady. Dorothy Edie died at the age of three, and when she woke up, her life had changed forever. She was convinced that she had once been born across the sea in ancient Egypt. She claimed that she had been an Egyptian princess. What? Yeah. So in three years old, she like fell down the stairs and died. And then the doctor was like, oh, she's dead. And then the doctor left to get a nurse and they came back and they were like, oh, she's not dead. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's fine. And she's then, fine, fine, fine. And then she came back, and all of a sudden, she's better, but she would see these Egyptian pictures, and she would be like, that's my home. And they were like, what, do you, what is she talking about? And she would be like, I need to go back home. And then one day, like when she was, I'm not sure how old, but they go to a museum in England, and she goes to the Egyptian part, and she's kissing all the statues' feet, like to pay homage to them right and they're like what is our daughter doing like what the hell and she's like 
this is my these are my people and this is my country and whatever and they're like these okay. are my people yeah. <laughs> I know, she didn't say those words yeah represent yo she poured my 40s, people go oh, wait, poured wait. 40s out on the ground and she's like this to my to my homies uh, <laughs> my egyptian homies um Anyway, okay, hang on. Uh, she was born in 1904 into a wealthy family from South London, England. Her life was very much like anyone else's until the fateful day when she fell down the stairs. Strangely, her parents and even the family doctor declared her dead. And I said all that, which I've heard you guys say, oh, we already read that. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she soon took to hiding under a table, which I said this was... I'll read it, but it's like any kid does this. Right. Dorothy took to hiding under tables and behind furniture. Her strange behavior didn't stop there. That's a three-year-old or a four-year-old. That's what right. they do. Um, okay. What I've seen this three-year-old do yeah. today, like, come on. Well, and they even talk about watching Baby Shark on here, which I was amazing. 1904, really? But I guess, you know, they remake everything. All parents right now are going, please, Stop, get that earworm out of my ear. Exactly. Instead of turning back into the little girl that she was before the accident, her actions became even more bizarre. She bewildered her parents with demands to be taken home. That's where I said that. And then they went to the, it was called the British Museum in London. Um, where else? Uh, among the mummies in the ancient Egypt were statues of all Egyptian gods and goddesses. For no apparent reason, Dorothy rushed up to them and began kissing the feet of the statues. Then, to her parents' horror, she began screaming in a voice that sounded strange and old. The words that came out of her mouth stunned them. Dorothy stated that she wanted to be left with my people. So now she won't leave the museum. And they're bad She wants to go into a sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Yeah, drink some more. Uh, A sarcophagus, yes. That is a hard word to say. But it's like pajamas. It's fun. Um, On a separate occasion, Dorothy was shown a photo of a temple built by Seti One. She immediately told her father that the temple was her real home, a conviction she never lost as she got older. She then went on to claim that she had known Seti and that he was a kindly man. As her convictions grew, Dorothy began to learn how a de- <laughs> how to Sorry. how to read hieroglyphics at the British Museum. She astounded her teacher with her ability to learn the symbols easily. Dorothy explained to her that actually she wasn't learning a new language. She was revising the old language that she had forgotten. Her Sunday school teacher, now this is interesting because it's Sunday school. Right. Her Sunday school teacher, at her wit's end, asked Dorothy's parents to keep her away from the class purely because she was upsetting the other children. Well, yeah, with all the hieroglyphic stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and maybe speaking in tongues, but it wasn't (laughs) tongues, it was just Egyptian. We think they'd be used to that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on one occasion, Dorothy compared Christianity with heathen ancient Egyptian. Heathen, in this sense, meant pagan or of the earth. So, like, bad religion is what I would Everybody think. else was heathens yeah, yeah. back then. She then refused to sing any hymns that inferred derogatory names aimed at Egyptians, such as curse the swarf Egyptians, because... Like you were saying earlier, the Moses thing, I'm sure in Sunday school, she starts learning about that. And right. She's like, no, the Egyptian, the Pharaoh was a good man. Right. You know? And they're like, uh, no. 
uh, he killed all females. Uh, her regular visits to mass by Catholic Church were terminated because she kept referring to it as a liking to the old religion. So after a bombing raid in World War I, Dorothy went to live with her grandmother in Sussex. She continued to study ancient Egypt stuff. At the age of 27, she uh, started work in London at an Egyptian magazine, which is cool that she found her passion. Uh, here she wrote articles They had an Egyptian magazine. An Egyptian, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe at that time it was, you know, it was like, um, oh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was thinking of like, is there a Chicano magazine right, in Arizona? Right, right. Like something like that. Like, okay, uh, maybe. Latin history. I don't know. Um, <laughs> here she wrote articles supporting Egyptian politics and independence. It was during that time that she met her husband, Iman Abdul Magild, an Egyptian student. In 1931, Dorothy moved to Egypt. On arriving, she knelt down and kissed the ground. Then she announced that she had come home to stay. And everybody's like, we don't, who's this crazy lady? <laughs> Tell me she's home. We don't know her. Why is she so pale? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's this English woman? I am here to stay right now. Um, yeah, she's not Egyptian. Uh, she went on to have a son with Iman. And she named, not Iman, who was married to David Bowie, another Iman with an mm -hmm. E. Um, and she named him, not surprisingly, Seti. Hence the name that she was given, Om Seti, or Mother of Seti. And so she claimed to be, this is her back history of who she is, who she was reincarnated as, if you believe in that, Bentrishite, a.k.a. Dorothy Edie's previous incarnation. Evidently, she had been called ben, Bentrishite, I hope I say that right, was a humble origin. Her mother was a vegetable seller and her father a soldier. This was a time of Seti, which was from 1290 BC to 1279 BC, because you know, it's before Christ. I don't know who this Christ guy is where the calendars are built on this guy. Right, before another, and after. That's everything. another story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have before the internet and after the internet. Um, when she was three years old, her mother died and she was placed in the temple of Kam el Sultan. There she became a priestess. At 12 years old, she took the vows to become a consecrated virgin, as all 12 year olds do. Right. Um, if yeah. I were their father, you're staying that way. You are now a virgin. Yeah. You're Over, staying a virgin. Yeah, you're gonna be this until the end, until you die. Not now a virgin, um, you're staying that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the butt, that's still virgin, right, Dad? No, hush. Oh, yeah, no, 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 That's kidding. That's what the kids, what the kids, that's what the kids say. But okay. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> you heard of that, like, you know, anyway, we'll move on. Um, over the next nice, couple of years. Nice, I like Mark. Ben Treshite acted in various plays about the gods. One day, Seti visited her, and they became lovers. So here she was, supposed to be a virgin. She was a virgin, and then she met uh, Seti. So when she became pregnant, she told the high priest, and to her horror, she was told that it was a sentence of death to break her vows, because she wasn't a virgin. Ben Shrike committed suicide instead of waiting for the sentence to be carried out. Now, here's what's interesting that I was going to tell you, because I love movies, um, except for the recent Mummy wasn't what? that good. But you love it reminds movies? me of, yeah, I know, right? Surprise. It's so weird. Um, that that new movie, The Mummy, it kind of seems like that girl, didn't she Which like, one? commit suicide? The, the, with Brendan Fraser? The, no, the, the newer one with um, 
uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, Tom. Oh, my God. That was so horrible. Yeah. yeah. But the French girl, it reminded me oh, of okay. that girl who is like a god or whatever she is. And she comes back. Okay. She's I get the it. mummy that comes back. She was in uh, Atomic Blonde with uh, mm-hmm. Annie. I remember. Um, over the years, Dorothy worked as an archaeologist research assistant. Then after the breakup of her marriage, Dorothy moved to Abydos. By this time, it was 1956, and she was 52 years old. This was a time that Dorothy, Dorothy began to be known locally as Om Seti, as the village people always named a woman after the firstborn, as in Mother of Seti, like I said. And this is where the knowledge was tested. So this is interesting. Would her previous life be proved? Was Dorothy really the incarnation of priest? I sound like in search of. Really the reincarnation <laughs> of priestess of the Nile? Abydos was a special place for Dorothy. This is where she believed that as a young girl, thousands of years ago, she had lived, worked, and loved, then met her tragic death. The location was powerful, not only to Dorothy, who remembered her past, but to others eager to test her theories of her past life. For one of her trips to Temple of Seti, where she believed she she had worshipped thousands of years ago, the chief inspector from the Antiquities Department, who knew of her claims, decided to test her theories about reincarnation. Was she real? Had her soul traveled through time to become Om Seti, who they know today? Asking her to stand near a particular wall painting in near darkness, the inspector told her to identify them according to her previous lifetime's memory. The answer to the question whether she had obtained her memories was simple. It was yes. The paintings and markings had never been published in an ancient book, magazine, or anywhere else in the world. Not only did she know the answers, but she told them things that they hadn't even discovered for themselves. Either Dorothy was a great liar or con artist, or she was telling the truth. So, and then uh, the last part of this is without a doubt. Her astonishing memory, skill, and knowledge of the language of Egypt was a great help to the archaeologists who were working at the site. They came to the moment they could be no more doubt in her abilities and her previous life. Each morning and night, Dorothy would go to the temple to pray on the birthdays of Isis and Osiris, not the Isis, but another Isis. She would observe the ancient food ceremony. <laughs> what does that mean? And bring, that means not the killing Isis, but, um, and bring offerings of beer, wine, and bread. Um, that's a cool God, if you can give him beer, wine, and bread. Right. Um, even better if he shares. And then, that's right. Um, okay, and then this part's cool. On a particular day, Dorothy said that when she was Benchrite, the temple used to have a wonderful garden where she would sit and meditate and could meet and talk to Seti. At that time, there was no sign of a garden. Then, while staying in Abydos, archaeologists unearthed something amazing. It was a garden, and not only a not only a garden, it was placed in the same location exactly as Dorothy had said. Surely this was proof of reincarnation. And then when she died, she was buried in... Um, Dorothy died April 21st, 1981. Her body was interred in an unmarked grave facing west outside a, a Coptic cemetery at Abydos. Unlike the burial, she had asked her asked for a tomb in the manner of the ancients. So that's she wanted she a pyramid. Well, that would be <laughs> yeah. We all want a pyramid. Then I had another one. Um, I'll try to make that one shorter than the other one. So this boy, this uh, the agonized screams. So here's how this one starts too. It's a good one. 
The agonized screams pierced the air. Plane on fire, airplane crash. In the dark, a two-year-old boy was just visible, writhing on his bed in the grip of horror. He was lying there on his back, kicking and clawing at the covers as he was trying to kick his way out of a coffin, remembers the boy's mother. I thought, wait, I thought, this looks like the exorcist. <laughs> That's her. Uh, I half experienced his head to spin around like the little girl in the movie. But then I heard that James was, I heard what James was saying. Over and over again, the tiny child screamed, plane on fire, little man can't get out. For this shocked parents, these nightly scenes were traumatic. For experts, they were baffling. As the nightmares became more terrifying, the child started screaming the name of the little man who couldn't get out of the plane. It was James, like his own name. He was talked in his dreams of Jack Larson and Natoma and Corsair. What? So, Corsair's a plane. James Leninger's father, Bruce, was flummoxed. He decided to do some research and look into what this kid's talking about. And so he started going to, like, World War II museums and things, or World War II uh, where people meet up, and was trying to find what his son meant. And he found that... The answer he had sought of his son's uh, behavior, but he came to believe James was the reincarnation of a World War II fighter pilot, a man who had, who had been shot down in the plane and struggled to escape as it caught fire. He was a hero, this guy. And there's a picture of him I'll share with you. I'll show you in a minute. Um, hero fighter pilot James Houston, who died in 1945 after his plane took a direct hit and plunged into the water. The idea seems preposterous as to be unbelievable, yet in their new book, Soul Survivor, see they're pushing their book, The Reincarnation, see she's amazed at it, in a reincarnation of a <laughs> World, War II, I mean, he, World War II fighter pilot, uh, Bruce and his wife, Andrea, lay, lay out some compelling evidence. It all began on May 1st, 2000. James, just three weeks past his second birthday, was a happy, playful toddler living in an idyllic home in southern Louisiana. That night, his mother was woken by his screams. She held him in her arms, and he thrashed around. Soon, however, James was having five nightmares a week. Andrea was worried. Her little boy began a talk during his bad dreams, screaming about an airplane crash and writhing as he were trapped in a bombing aircraft at a toy shop this is interesting they admired like they were looking at model planes and stuff and the mom's like look there's a bomb on that one that one's got a bomb hanging on the bottom right and he's like that's not a bomb mommy that's a drop tank uh, uh he was talking like a really military specific. historian yeah who had known about the gas tank and uh extend their uh their range to extend the fighter's range as the nightmare continued she asked him who's the little man me he answered his father asked what happened to your plane james replied it crashed on fire why did the plane cr why did your plane crash it got shot who shot the plane james made a disgusted face the japanese he <gasps> said with indignation oh wow he said he knew it was a japanese because of the big red sun was the was describing the Japanese symbol of the rising sun. Right. Painted on the warplanes called meatballs by American pilots. I didn't know that. Uh, tentatively, Andrea began to uh, suggest reincarnation. Perhaps James had lived a past life. Bruce reacted angrily. There must be a rational explanation for all this. He questioned his son further. Do you remember what kind of plane the little man flew? 
A Corsair, replied the two-year-old, without hesitation, repeating the word he shouted in his dreams. Bruce knew it was a World War II fighter plane. Do you remember where your plane took off from, he said. A boat, said James. How did he know that their planes had launched from aircraft carriers? He asked the, he asked the name of the boat. His son replied, certainly, the Natoma. Oh, wow. After James was in bed, That's Bruce, a trip. Bruce researched that he, what he had heard. A naturally skeptical man, he was amazed to find that at National Bay was a World War II aircraft carrier. Uh, that that's what the Natoma was. James uh, even began to don an imaginary pilot's headset when his mother strapped him into his car seat, and then Bruce ordered a book of his father's for his father's Christmas present, The Battle of Iwo Jima. James pointed to the picture and said, Daddy, that's when my plane was shot down. Bruce, who works in the industry, rushed into the office where he had a dictionary of American naval fighting ships. Natoma Bay had supported the U.S. Marines' invasion of Iwo Jima in 1945. Bruce was mystified. What was coming out of the mouth of this two-year-old? Next, the little boy named his nightmare's alter ego's best friend. He was Jack Larson. Uh, he was he was a pilot too. He said. Bruce decided that he had to find Jack Larson to prove his point to his wife. Larson would tell him that James had invented the whole thing and there was no such thing as reincarnation. He decided to go to a reunion of veterans of Natoma Bay pretending that he was writing a book. Andrea, meanwhile, was convinced James had been reincarnated. She contacted Carol Bowman, the author of a book in, on reincarnation called Children's Past, uh, Past Lives. Bowman confirmed Andrea's views. The common threads were here with James, she said. The age, the nightmares began, the remembered death, there was all this consistent to the children experiencing past lives. She advised Andrea to tell James that he was safe and that he had experienced, his experiences were over now. Apart from his night terrors, he was an ordinary child living an ordinary life, turning three in April 2001. He liked to play with his G.I. Joes, and he would name his G.I. Joes. He had names for his G.I. Joes that were like, uh, no, I can't find it, but Will, Will and... Billy and something else and then those ended up being real friends because um, I realize I'm reading a lot but people that he fought with people that were his buddies that yeah. he fought with and then um, that's crazy they met with there's a picture here of him with the with the sister of that guy mm -hmm. and they talked to another guy who was flying the plane next to him and the pilot said yeah I remember he looked at me he goes, we were both fighting these Japanese. And he goes, he looked at me for a brief second and we made eye contact. And he goes, and then he got shot in the, you know, his motor got shot and it burst into flames and he went down and he said, and ever since that day, I see that guy's face. And oh, then wow. they showed him, was it this guy? And he was like, yeah, that's the guy I'll never forget. So, and then the boy, by the time he got to be eight years old, he wasn't, he didn't have any of the past things, but what he, the boy had told him the past life said he remembers floating above in Hawaii mm -hmm. and he saw because they were like why did you pick us and he said because I was looking down on you guys when you were in Hawaii on whatever this date was like them on their five year anniversary right. and he said and I you guys were happy and so I went down and I chose you and it was like wow so so okay, okay. he chose them their family to Me, meaning Meaning the the spirit of the uh, guy of the guy. Oh, so that's found that and went into the mother to go into the baby to 
Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. It's but, cool, but it's creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I what remember do you think about that? that? I think there's. I don't think there's any explanation. Like, how would this kid know a Corsair, a drop tank? Right. You know, all that stuff. But I think there's weird things that we don't know that happen. Right. And I think that's one of them that is. It's like the Egyptian girl. Like, she died. So there's something. Like they've said with our brain, I don't know about our soul. Right. You know, there was that movie, 21 Grams. I always have to bring it back to movies. My wife always goes, you know, there's other things besides movies. Do you watch the news? (laughs) Um, 21 Grams, they say, is the weight of your soul. So when you die, you're 21 grams less. A lot of people say it's because you shit yourself and you piss yourself, and that's 21 grams. Right. But it's like, depending on what you ate, three days, you know, anyway. So. No, I get it. There's a Dan Ra- Dan Brown book that I read uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of this. I think it's the symbol, and they kind of no. go into the same thing. The last thing. symbol, yeah. Yeah, yeah the or last lost, symbol. Lost symbol. Lost symbol. Yeah, I never read it, but I heard that. But it's that stuff. Like, what makes this three-year-old die, come back? But what's weird is this boy never had any life-altering thing. It just. Just, yeah, he didn't die and come back yeah. from death. It just was. But it's it's weird. And then he met his sister, you know, as a young kid. Right. But the sister was like, I believe it. She said, I felt when he died, she said, I felt a presence. She didn't know until later. Right. She said, I felt a presence like he was there with me in the house. Uh-huh. She said, and then later when my dad said he died on this day, I remembered that was that was the day that I felt that presence. And I had my grandma once said she was sleeping and she was woke up and she looked up and there was her great grandma or her grandma was uh, like above the drain of the sink and then like went down the drain. And what? she was like, and she said that was the day that her grandma died. And she had came to see her or something. And it was like, okay. So I think those weird things happen. Yeah, I mean, no. Some non, some things you can't explain. And it's like they say the human brain is, you know, we only know 10% of what right. it can do or whatever. So, so, I don't know. Do you believe in psychics? No. no. <laughs> okay. Okay, because you're talking about this. Like, right. are you open to the fact that somebody can... Like, okay. hear dead people. Okay. Um, that girl that lives here that Medium was about, right. the TV show. I believe her uh-huh. from, like, I read her story when she was a kid. She right. was kind of like Sixth Sense. She was, like, talking to dead people. Right. And then she realized what it was and that there was a piece to it. That I believe, but I had a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. <laughs> no, too much <laughs> into my mind. Wait a minute. Um, TMI. A, yeah. I had a psychic... <laughs> That my my friend's mom said, let's go there. We'll have our palms read, do all this stuff. I said, okay. So I go there and she's telling me like, you live your life as black and white. There's no gray. Or maybe she said there's no black, whatever. Which is kind of me. Okay. I see things gray. Right. There's always positive in everything. Right. Then she said, and you hold your one friend up really high, which at the time I did. I said, okay. But this was my friend's mom's friend. Mm-hmm. So I was like, she probably just hears. Philip is a good friend to her. and right. So I was like, okay. And then she's like, 
and we talked and it's one of those where maybe you forget like doing a podcast you'll forget oh yeah I brought that up I don't remember and so we're talking then all of a sudden she goes you want me to read your palm I said sure she looks at my palm and she goes I see words in your palm and me yeah. I go I, I write I write That's scripts and stuff oh my god you're amazing you're making the connection and right and it could have been that I talked to her and said, I like to write, I write scripts. Right. And then she knew that I forgot and was like, oh, I see words. And I was like, wow. So that, that was, was one where I didn't know because it was connected with me. Right. Where did my friend's mom tell her a bunch of stuff and then she told me. So that was, uh, but the other girl, I think I believe her, uh, no, I can't, Amanda something or... Anyway, the girl here from Phoenix. From, from, from the medium? The medium, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't believe that girl that was always on Judge, not Judge Judy, uh, Judy, what's that talk show? Not not Jerry Springer. Judy Brown? Not oh, Jerry Springer, Springer, but it was a, she was an ex Joyce Brown? No, well, that's her name, but she was always on one of those shows. Right. And she would be like, here's what I believe, and you'd be like, really? Like, it was, it was always crazy stuff that never right. came true. So. I I actually have a friend that's a psychic. She's a really good friend of mine. And you can, does she listen to the show? You totally believe it? I hear you. If she doesn't listen to the show, tell me. <laughs> I don't I don't think she listens listens to the show. Listens. Yeah. I said listens. Have another one. Okay. Yeah. Literally, we haven't even finished half the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> but um she's no. a really good friend of mine, but uh the first time she read me I was very skeptical about that whole thing. Like right. the way I grew up, you know, the way I grew up, yeah. I was actually, I was kind of like, I, I don't think I should be talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. But, but she not put in a in, way like a vet going, no, you're no, no, evil. No, no, no. No, no, I don't no. want to let you in there. No, I was like, you right. know, I want to hear this. I want to yeah, hear yeah, what you yeah. have to, but, but a little apprehensive. Yeah. But yeah, she said some stuff that I was, there's no way anybody could know. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, that I was, tend to believe it. Yeah, I I think I had a little bit of that with that, not just with the words, but she said something else where I was like, she knows, like she knows some things. So right, I think I think there is a thing to what I love about again a movie. Sherlock Holmes, he looks at that guy and he goes, and then he it's tells the, whole the girl cold because reading. Of the way, yeah, because of the way you have a tan mark on your finger you used to be married you're upper class but you're really low class there's people that do that yeah Yeah. it's like that the show the mentalist is all about him not really being a psychic just reading everything right so i think i think there's something to that but there is something to the psychic. i think there is those people out there those special people out there that do have that ability Yeah. yeah i don't know and then there's those people that are cold readers that make it difficult for other people. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know. But yeah. But yeah, there's there's something to it. And and these two reincarnation stories, I believe I believe in them. Those are pretty interesting. And yeah. So and it's good that the woman got to live then in Egypt and, you know, be happy. Well, and then to pass out pass down that information. Yeah. Yeah, help the archaeologist with... The whole hieroglyphic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Take that, Bembridge scholars. That's right. (laughs) So, my story 
is on um, the mysterious death of Cindy James. Have you ever heard this story? I don't think so, but uh, I don't Canadian. know. I watch a lot of murder shows. It might sound familiar if you do. Probably too much for a normal person. Like I watch. I think a lot of people do now, but I watch a lot of murder. We go to bed to murder shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. A lot yeah, of people yeah. do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A long time ago, that might not have been considered healthy, but <laughs> these days well, it's kind of the norm. And I think it depends. If you have a strong enough mind, you can watch something like right. that. It's just like when Judas Priest was on trial because this kid killed somebody because of your music. lyrics and your song. That's our lyrics to our song. It's music. It's creation. Because he took it wrong is not, you know, us. It's the same thing with uh, John Hinckley with the Beatles going, oh, no, it says, you know, I need to kill Jodie Foster. Oh, right. You know, or whatever. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. So Cindy James. Or do it for oh. Jodie Foster. I'm sorry. Anyways, on May 25th, um, 44-year-old nurse Cindy James reported was reported missing in Vancouver, British Columbia, a suburb of Richmond. Um, in Canada. The same day she had gone missing, police located her automobile in a neighborhood parking lot a short distance from where she had lived. There were groceries in the back seat and a wrapped gift for a friend. Underneath the car seat, there were scattered contents of Cindy's, Cindy's purse. And even more alarming, there was blood on the driver's side door. There was no sign of Cindy, and a brief search was initiated without results. Was, was this a target? Uh, no, it was okay. not. Okay. Why? Because I remember a Target one where a girl, a guy liked her ass and he followed her out, followed her through the store outside and then abducted her, killed her. And, really? and then they found him later because they saw the video of him like lurking around. Yeah. Right. Was this in the 80s too? It was on, it was maybe, I think that was on Generation Y they talked about. Oh, um, I like that podcast. Might have been the late 80s, maybe 90s. Well, okay, so then on June 1989, a body was found lying in a yard of an abandoned house, and the victim was, in fact, Cindy, Cindy James. She had been drugged and strangled, and her hands and feet had been hogtied behind her back. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police believed that her death was either an accident or a suicide, but not a murder, and we'll get into that. The official cause of death, however, was determined to be by the coroner who indicated that Cindy was not a victim of a vicious murder, nor accident, nor suicide. Officially, the coroner ruled that Cindy James, her death was a result of an unknown event. So not an accident, but an unknown event. Right. Like an alien. <laughs> Uh, no, not an alien. Oh, okay. They Darn. said that. Aliens, Yeah. <laughs> Next no. time, we'll talk about aliens. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, that's weird. Why say no unknown thing, but... Not a suicide. But not a suicide, not a murder, not like, an accident, but an so unknown thing. Well, then that would she... be... Well, I guess an accident would be slip and fall, hit your head. Right. Unknown would be a block of wood fell on your face. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but accidentally hog tying yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's there's... Good. I was watching... <laughs> I was watching a murder show the other day where this girl was on Dateline or 2020 and she maybe you heard about it. anyway and not to get off but she was in a closet and 
she was tied up and but like this but behind her back like with her arms together not Mm -hmm. just her wrist and the prosecuting attorney was like no here's how to tie yourself by the wrist and it was like no she was like this you know so anyway it was it was a thing where it was like oh she killed her husband and then tied herself up and pretended that she had a seizure and it's like no she was locked in with a door with a chair up against the door and all this stuff anyway and they were saying she did it to herself she was saying she killed her husband and then tied herself up and then laid in the closet and pulled the rug under the chair to make the chair go right up against the door so it looked like she was locked in wow yeah that's elaborate yeah (laughs) okay exactly all right so in the seven, so let's go back a little bit. In the seven years before she died, Cindy reported nearly a hundred incidents of harassment beginning four months after she left her husband. Oh. Five were violent physical attacks, while others were whispering to silent phone calls. So she was getting a bunch of harassing phone calls. Yeah. Um, this got worse after she involved the police. At night, she heard prowlers. Her porch lights were smashed, and her phone lines were severed. According to her friend Agnes Woodcock. Okay. <laughs> you saw my brain turning. I was ready. But okay. Tell me about She Big said bizarre notes um, began to appear on her doorstep. I was waiting for it. Yeah. Sorry. Who is Cindy and what led up to this? Um, Cindy had graduated from nursing school in 1966. She later became the administrator for a preschool for children um, with behavioral and emotional issues. Cindy James married at the young age of 19. She later became the administrator. Okay, that's the whole copy and paste thing. Oh, okay. Her husband was Roy Makepeace. Um, he was 18 years her senior when she married him. Wow. Oh, yeah. And then he worked as a psychologist. So, so they keep both that were kind of in the field. Yeah. Of okay. I think they work together, and I think um, I remember listening to a podcast that said that um, he was actually married when they met. Oh wow! And so that was a thing. Like he ended up divorcing his wife and kind yeah. of thing. She was nineteen. Wow. The harassment began in October 1982 four months after Cindy got separated from Roy that's when she started receiving the series of harassing phone calls from an unknown male who would sometimes stay silent and sometimes whisper threats like I said a few witnesses included some police officers some were present during some of these phone calls but according to them they never heard any anyone's voice on the line she began to see, receive pictures of chopped up corpses in her mail. Wow. Had pieces of rotting flesh sent to her home and frequently heard sounds akin to someone walking around in back of her home. At one point, Heidi, who is her dog, um, was found shaking with fright, sitting in her own feces with the cord tight ar- tightly around her neck. Wow. I just want to tell you, at some point, they start thinking that Cindy's making this shit up. So that was like 82, you said, seven years before. Yeah. Yeah, because, and like you said, if you think about the husband, like it's all psychological. Right. Fucking with her to make her break and putting her away or whatever, or killing her as suicide. And, yeah. Right. Wow. Just to drive her crazy. Yeah. 
As the months went on, Cindy started finding creepy, threatening notes on her property and on her phone lines. Oh, her phone lines often got cut. And what what did her husband say when she went to him with all this? I, at one point, he like ends up like casing the property, and like he's like, at one point, he's like parked outside with his gun. Yeah. When one of these events happens, it's a good so husband. yeah, yeah, so or and at this point, he's her ex. Right. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So during one month, yeah, so they're separated. Oh, okay. During, when all this stuff starts happening, they, they've separated. So she's on her own for the first time in forever, and yeah, all yeah. these oh, things. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. During a one-month period, she found three different dead cats in her yard. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, well, and the dog, and then the three cats, like... And then, uh, yeah, it's on the other end of that, it's way messed up whoever did it, like, you know. Right. But, yeah. What kind of person would do something like that? That's a psychopath. Yeah. To kill an animal. Yeah, it's, that's how Dahmer started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, keep that in mind. And then, these cats had threatening notes attached to them as well. They they can write? They were like, <laughs> fuck you, asshole. They were like... Cutting their own throat. They're pretty radical. They're like, I'm I'm done with this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your dog Clean my litter himself. box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't live in my own feces anymore. Yeah, this is on you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the first police officer to respond to Cindy's complaints was Pat McBride, who was very supportive, so supportive, that he ends up staying with her at some point. Of course. He's living with her. He eventually moved, like... I said he eventually moves into Cindy's house to protect her. Yeah. Quote unquote. And and okay, I'm aside from this, Cindy's a very attractive blonde. Mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of her and she was really pretty. Yeah. Um so anyways, he moves in to protect her. Yeah. While he's living at the house, no calls were made in his presence and notes or other strange incidents only occurred when police were not on surveillance and some armchair detectives doubt Pat McBride's intentions and making some to believe that he was perhaps the stalker and eventually the murderer. It may be far-reaching to suspect an RCMP of such actions, but just like police at the time, there were no good suspects, if any at all. They didn't have any suspects at this time. Years after Cindy's death, McBride was convicted on two counts of sexually assaulting women, but he was cleared of any involvement. So just keep that in mind as well. That was the guy that moved in, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Who's also a cop. Okay. He took an unhealthy interest in her. That seems like. Yeah. Well, and it's like. A conflict of interest? Yeah. It's like there was a thing, again, sorry to go off. YouTube, there's a YouTube guy named Phil DeFranco. Right. Phil DeFranco had, while he was gone, because he posts on Twitter, I'm leaving, somebody broke into his house while his wife and kid were there. Uh Uh-huh. She fortified it herself in the bedroom with a gun and was waiting for somebody to walk in the door, and she called the police. Police came, dealt with everything. The guy had ran away. They didn't catch him. Um, The next day or whenever it was when Phil DeFranco got back home, there's a knock at their door. It's a police officer that was there that night that was like, hey, man, I told my wife about your floor. I wanted to come and look at your floor. It's really nice. And I wanted to show. 
It's what? Like, really? Like, don't, like, you shouldn't do that. Like, you're here to protect and serve. You're not here to now be like, hey, when I was here on that call that you were all nervous about. Right. My, I was telling my wife how beautiful your floor okay, was. Okay, yeah, that's. Yeah. And that's weird. And with that, it's like, oh, this girl's scared. She's kind of pretty. I'm going to go ahead and. Try and pick up on her. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden, the alleged physical attacks start occurring. And this happens one night in 1983, when one of Cindy's friends, Agnes Woodcock, um, discovered that she was lying on the ground outside of her house with a nylon stocking tied around her neck. Um, And this would be the first of many times. And this whole nylon stocking becomes uh, like an M.O. Who who was Allison is... is actually a really good friend of hers, and I think oh. she's a neighbor as well. Okay, okay. Cindy claimed she was attacked but couldn't provide any details about her assailant. Police felt she was withholding something, and Cindy later told her family that her attacker held a knife to her throat and threatened her mother and her sister if she talked, if she said anything. Um, she'd gone out to the garage to get a box, and someone had grabbed her from behind. All she saw were white sneakers, so she... No facial, no nothing. Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't get any description. So that that's creepy. Yeah. So at this point, she hires a private investigator. His name is Ozzy Caban, and he, this guy's like protected some pretty famous people, like the Queen, um, and a few other people. Like he's got under his belt as under his resume. And he provides her with a two-way radio. So one night in January 1984, Caban heard a strange noise on the radio and he ran to Cindy's house to investigate. He bust down the locked door and he saw Cindy lying on the floor through the window. A threatening note had been pinned through Cindy's hand with a paring knife. Oof. Yeah. Like, just impaled her hand. Yeah. That's, ooh. Yeah, that's, oof. Cindy claims she had seen a man entering through her house's front gate before she was struck from behind on the head with an object. In spite of this, there were no signs of forced entry into the home, and Caban never saw anyone. Wow. So it just gets more weird. Yeah. From here. Um, at this point, she was taken to the hospital where she later later recalled being attacked and a needle going into her arm, but they never found at this during this time, they never found any, like, trace of any kind of substance Needle. in her. Yeah. My wife said, if she kills me, she's going to inject me in the anus because nobody will look there for a needle. <laughs> <laughs> that I was said, so random. <laughs> I know. I, it just made me think of that. So I thought that was funny. That was clever, honey. But uh, I'm going to talk about her in every she's podcast. She's laying it out to you. She's like, this is yeah. the way I'm going to yeah. do Nobody's going to. Yeah, they'll all look and go, you watch a lot of murder shows, but they'll go, we find no injection point. And so you can say, uh, check his asshole. And then they'll check my asshole. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right <laughs> how do i come back from that <laughs> so uh so she had the uh knife stuck in her hand you were after that yeah and then so the whole injection thing she's right. she felt she had got um injected by something police never took fingerprints from a suspect and there was no independent corroboration cindy saw this person sometimes accompanied co- accompanied by one or two others or sometimes she said there were two or three people, but police could never find a suspect. The threatening phone calls continued, but they were too short to trace. So that's interesting that and, she saw. And like, did that guy, uh, that other guy, did he move out? 
the I think guy, at some point the cop guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, and there was like even some uh, one of the websites that I read said that they actually had a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little weird. weird. Yeah. So the police continue their investigation and question her several times. Ozzy, the um, private detective, later reported that she wouldn't tell them the entire story. She would be evasive with that and withhold information and simply would not act as a normal victim would act. When the police gave her a polygraph, the examiner claimed that she was withholding information. Her mother, Tilly Hack, thinks the reason for her daughter's reluctance was that her attacker had threatened her sister and her family. I was was thinking maybe it's nobody's listening to you or believing you. So finally you go, I got to do something drastic where there's marks and then maybe they'll look into this. So, you know, maybe taking it into her own hands. She's like, like, you know, imagine like impaling your own hand. I know it's like you sit there and go, but you always hear like that one at least is where you always hear in these murder shows like, look, they stabbed me. And it's like, no, you didn't. You know, first of all, we can tell you did it. Right. Second of all, it's not deep enough because you chickened out or whatever, you know. But yeah, that would be. But I'm just saying, maybe it was her. But I, I don't. Know. I don't know. That's I, why I was thinking maybe she was a, like, oh, there's no injection. Like, damn, what do I do now? What do I say? You know, uh, this did happen, and that is so fucked up that you would go, nobody's gonna stab their own hand, a note to their hand. That's that's pretty fucking extreme. I it is, but if like, no cops ever, are listening to you, like they talk about like how impossible it is to hurt yourself. Yeah. Like that's true for yeah. me. Like pulling a nose hair is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, like never mind. That's gonna yeah, have yeah. to stay there. Yeah, I'll tuck them up. I'll just tuck them in. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, what I do. But yeah. it's impaling my hand, yeah. and that's pretty sensitive. Your hand. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence, but I mean, yeah. you'll see in which direction this is going after a while. Anyways, like I was saying, her mom thought is because they threatened her family and by naming them her family would be killed also the police would frequently put surveillance on cindy's house for days or weeks at a time and nothing would happen but whenever they pulled their surveillance and left cindy would get attacked again wow so yeah somebody's watching her yeah somebody's okay it's either it's either her yeah or somebody's like super, super manipulative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're gaslighting her. Yeah. Like to the yeah. nth degree. Yeah. So this, at this point, this led to suspicion that Cindy was staging all the ta- attacks against herself. All of them. All of them. Wow. And I think it got to the point wherever they got a call from Cindy or her location, yeah. like they would all roll their eyes. Oh. So. It, That's not because <clears throat> you're old like me. Not as old as me. There, I give you a compliment. <laughs> Barely. A back, Thank you. Yeah, backhanded compliment. <laughs> um, remember that movie with uh, Joe from Facts of Life? She kept complaining her husband was abusive. She put the restraining order on him. She's right. upstairs in the apartment. He says, can we talk just one more time? She goes down there, gets attacked. Cops show up there thinking, oh, it's this girl again who's crazy. And then they show up and the cop sees him jumping on her neck. Was it Joe? And yeah, it was whatever her name was. It was the dark haired older one. Was it really? On Facts of Life, yeah. Anyway, that was a good movie. I can't think of the name of it, but but anyway, that I know was what you're talking about. I do know what you're talking about. That was one where the cops. Yeah, like the guy, the, the boyfriend the stalking even, her. 
Yeah, it was her ex-husband, and he just was pissed that she was going to leave him and get a divorce. Right. And she was had the kids. Oh, it was a movie and, with yeah, yeah. Joe from Facts. Yeah, yeah, I'm Okay, sorry. now I remember. I'm, I'm like, sorry. Oh. You were like, that happened to Joe in Facts. <laughs> no, no, but there was another it. actress there where it was her boyfriend that was stalking her, and he ends up killing her. Well, there was the actress from... Um, can't think of the name, but that was a stalker that killed her that when she came outside. Right. And uh, stabbed her and killed her yeah. on the Pam Dauber show. I can't remember show. her name was, right now. Yeah. God, that, yeah. Anyway, That's yeah. what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It was a movie about a real life girl that Joe from Facts of Life played that woman in the okay. movie. What TV was her movie. name? Nancy McLean? Nancy McLean? McKeon. No. McKean? No, McKeon was another one, wasn't it? I it was Mc something. Right. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Nancy McKeon. We'll go with that. All right. So then um, in December 1985, Cindy disappeared and was found in a ditch six miles from her home. She had a black nylon stocking wrapped around her neck, like before. Yeah. Cuts and bruises all over her body and was suffering from hypothermia. When she recovered, Cindy claimed to have no memory of what happened to her. Hmm. And it just goes acute, goes yeah. on and on. Wow. So then she changes her name and moves to a new house. One night, Agnes Woodcock, her friend, mm -hmm. and her husband, um, Tom, were staying at Cindy's house. And the burglar alarm went off. And they discovered the glass window from Cindy's basement door had been removed. The Woodcocks claimed that Cindy was with them the whole time when the alarm went off. And she couldn't have, she couldn't have staged this herself. Yeah. So then April 1986, the Woodcocks were staying at Cindy's house and were woken up after. And from what I was listening to when I read, it seemed like this was a regular occurrence. They would stay with her a lot. Oh, yeah. In April 1986, when they're staying with her, um, they were woken up after Cindy discovered the basement was on fire. Since the phone lines were cut, Tom Woodcock went to the a neighbor to call the fire department and saw a man standing outside. When Tom asked the man to call for help, he took off. Wow. In spite of this sighting, police still believe that Cindy started the fire. So as there were no signs of forced entry and undisturbed dust and fingerprints on the outside windowsill, in spite of the threats on her life, Cindy had also made the strange decision to take her dog for a walk at 3 a.m., Oof. Oh, what? Yeah. And I was listening to another podcast, and this lady was, she's talking about that she'd been stalked herself. And she explained that you just tr search for some sort of normalcy and you just like try to go on with your life. Yeah. So, what may seem strange to other people is just you trying to get yeah, control you, of your life. Yeah, but still you would think like I work graveyards all the well, time. Well, so does she did. And whenever I'm driving around, I see these women walking either by themselves, jogging whatever, three in the morning, walking their dogs, and I'm just like, What are you doing out? But if you work graveyards and that's your day that's off your too, normal. then yeah. So Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Like but yeah, I'm scared to take my garbage when it's all the yeah. way out on the yeah exactly yeah <laughs> just throw it over there open the door and throw it <laughs> run out. over there and yeah. run all the way back yeah yeah that's weird after this incident Cindy had a months long stay I think it was like three months in a psychiatric ward where a psychotherapist examined examined the possibility um, that she was suffering from multi personality disorder. Hmm. 
He did not believe this was the case and believed that Cindy was genuinely terrified about what was happening to her. And that's like I told you, her husband's psychiatrist. Yeah. So he's one of the guys, people that weighs in on yeah. like what's like going on with her. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he basically says the same thing, that she has this multiple personality disorder, yeah. too. So her sister, Melanie Hack, writes a book um, about her, Who Killed My Sister, My Friend, and she describes this. Eventually, Cindy's constant tension led to exhaustion, depression, and suicidal thoughts. She suffered a mental breakdown in 1985 that led to a brief hospital stay, although I didn't know about it at the time. In 1986, she needed more medical intervention when she tried to starve herself to death after a fire destroyed her downstairs rec room and jeopardized the lives of her friends who were staying with her. That time, she was in the hospital for months, and I was concerned about how the harassments had led her to give up on her life. They talked about that she was having suicidal thoughts at the time, too. Yeah. This is still her part of her sister's book. It says, Later, I would hear and read opinions of the doctors at that time, and how some had made snap judgments about her and didn't take her harassment seriously. While I lived life oblivious to the broader picture, Cindy was bathed in doubt, humiliation, and fear. So, I mean, that's her sister's take on what was going on with her. So, you just think about the fact that she had a family, too. Yeah. And, like, they're making these all these judgments about her. Like, she's crazy. She's What if there really was somebody out there that was... Well, and there's a thing I talked about on my show as, you know, paranoid schizophrenic. So... At work, I'm a security supervisor of a security company. And one of my guys was like, was kept being late. And I said, hey, man, you're never late. You know, he's from uh, Africa. They're really good workers. And he was like, I go, you're late. You're never late. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. He said, uh, he said, uh, I said, well, if you need to talk, if something's going on, let me know. No, no, I'm good. I said, okay. A couple of weeks later, he goes, remember when you said, if I need to talk, I said, can I talk? I said, sure. I go over there. He goes, look, there's people watching me. He goes, the other day, he said, I got in my closet and my pants had been moved from the top shelf over to my shirts. And he said, and I called my 12-year-old, my 9-year-old, and my 6-year-old in. And I said, did you guys mess with these clothes? And they said, no. And he goes, so I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yeah. Then he said, then in my bedroom, he goes, does your, how many lights are on on your smoke detector? I said, just one. There's a red one and then the, to check it. And he was like, is there a camera in yours? Because I think people are watching me on mine. There's a camera in it. And I said, okay. And it's one of those where you don't want to judge. Right. Maybe. But I said, okay. And then he goes, he goes, look, here's my house. And he shows me where he was trying to, on the front door, it was real loose, the handle of his apartment. He goes, look how loose that is. You could see right through it. It's a video. And he goes, and I called the police and my landlord and the maintenance guys and said, did you guys mess with this? And they said, no. And he goes, the cops pretty much laughed at me and went away. And I was like, well, that's, that's messed up. Like, you know, in my head, I, I just go, well, I told him, I go, yeah. But in my head also, I'm going, you're paranoid schizophrenic. Like, and then he told me how he told one of his friends about all this stuff, somebody following him, somebody watching him. His friend said, dude, you're talking crazy. And he said, right then, I said, you're done being my friend. You're one of them. We're done. Right. So I knew if I said, you're talking crazy, he'd be like, I'm not talking to you anymore. 
Then it got so bad where he said he went to his dad's house. He said, I have a little alarm clock that I brought with me from my country. And I went to see my dad in here in Arizona. And he said, and his dad had that same alarm clock. And he was like, dad, where'd you get that? His dad goes, what do you mean? I've had it forever. No, I bought me one. You never had one. He goes, yes, I did. And he goes, and I knew that they're watching him too. And, and I was like, and he goes, then when I go home, he was telling me how he pops holes in the wall looking for cameras. Mm -hmm. And he said, when I go home and I lay down, he said, I'll say something like, I know you're watching me. And I hear all the cameras turn off. Click, 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 click all the way through the walls. And I go, oh, well, good luck with that. Okay. But it's one of those where, okay, is, is he going to end up killing his 12-year-old, his 9-year-old, and his 6-year-old because he thinks that they're the ones watching him? Right. You know, how deep is it going to go? You know, right. So uh, he ended up not working for us anymore. I don't know where he went. I should have maybe reported something, but I didn't. My bad. But it's one of those where you can't just dismiss, you know, something. Not right. that she was crazy because right. it doesn't sound, but it's but one of those. No matter what, yeah. yeah, you can't dismiss things. Yeah, you have to look at it from all angles. Yeah. Yeah. I had something similar with my dad when he was going through some stuff. And we had let him move in with us. And he put up cameras because he thought we were going into his room. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And that at one point, this is like right before I moved out. I mean, he got his stuff together after this, but at one point he had pulled me to the side and told me, and it was a very small apartment. It was two bedrooms. Um, the bathroom was right next to my bedroom. <laughs> and he said, I know what your husband's doing. He's bringing women to the house and he's taking them into the bathroom. And I'm like, that's weird, Dad. Really, I, I think about what you're saying to me. Yeah. It's a very small apartment. Yeah. My kids are literally sleeping in the same room with me right now. This is a long, long time ago. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no, no. I have it on the camera. And he's like pulling up the camera and everything's like super like grainy in the film. And he's like, watch, wait, 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 wait. And nothing happens. Yeah. And I was just like, and... And trust me, it's like a long story, but he was and going through stuff. I was going to say, then when she was like, oh, your husband deleted it. Like, oh. Yeah, was, no, yeah. no. He was just like, no. Yeah, he got angry. He thought yeah. we, Messed I, I had wow. had enough at that point. I was just like, okay, Yeah, that's dad. where you have to distance yourself. That's what I did with that guy. I was like, you know, I want to help where there's a thing in, I think, all states. But I was talking to one of my guys who worked for a psychology type place during the day. And he said, yeah, you can commit the guy. You just being a human and a resident of America, right. you can call and say, this guy's crazy. We need to get him into the, really? you know, and they'll That's come pretty scary, him. though. And I said, it's one person's word. Yeah. I said, I thought I had to be a family member, which we did with my brother-in-law once. And they brought my brother-in-law in. They talked to him for a little bit and cut him loose after right. like eight hours. But... Yeah, it's one of those where, uh, so that was where I was like, oh, maybe it's bad of me to not report that, especially if he's got three kids in there with right. him. Right. It's like uh, you never know. You yeah. never know what's going on with somebody. Yeah. I mean, and then maybe somebody is messing with them. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't know. But it yeah. just sounds Yeah, it just sounds out there. hard to believe. Yeah. Okay, so back to Cindy. After her release from the hospital, Cindy started accusing her ex-husband, Roy Makepeace, of being her tormentor. Shortly thereafter, Roy received a creepy anonymous answering machine message um, from a raspy voice caller who said, Cindy, dead meat, 
soon. And I had wanted to pull this up because there's actual recording out there. Ooh, and it, it sounds like a woman trying to... To be a man. To be a yeah. man. It's like, Cindy. Yeah. That mate. Soon. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. like, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Police found no evidence that Roy was responsible for tormenting Cindy and believed she disguised her voice and left the message herself. Interestingly, as a psychiatrist, Roy would have been familiar with the fine art of mind games, but he denied any involvement during the conversation. So on that podcast that I was telling you about, it's it's called Weird. I can't remember the name of the host, but she kind of goes, takes a deep dive and she tries to be objective, but you can really tell that, you know, like she, yeah, she thinks Roy might, there's a possible, like it's possible to her um, that Roy might be her tor- actual tormentor and and she had a lot more information and I was looking for some of the same information but like there's letters that he wrote her there's her own journal entries which I couldn't find yeah. anywhere so I think she like she actually read some of the books that were out there yeah <laughs> um, which I didn't have time to do so if any of you guys are like take any interest in this and you want to know more um, listen to that podcast it's pretty interesting on October 26, 1988, two weeks after Roy received the message, Cindy was found unconscious in her car in a hogtied position with her hands and feet tied behind her back. She was naked from the waist down, had a nylon stocking again, tied around her neck, and had no memory of what happened. Wow, yeah. So then May 25th, 1989, Cindy disappeared from a shopping mall parking lot. Her abandoned vehicle was found with blood on the driver's side door. This is coming back to full circle f- mm-hmm. from where we were in the beginning. Items from Cindy's wallet were scattered underneath the car. Um, two weeks later, Cindy's partially decomposed body was discovered in the yard of an abandoned house located over a mile away from the mall. Once again, her hands and feet were bound behind her back and she had a nylon stocking wrapped around her neck. The cause of death was a drug overdose, as an autopsy would reveal 10 times the lethal amount of morphine and fluorazepam was in her system. Hmm. That's... Yeah. Well, yeah, something that a doctor could get or a psychologist, but it's She was also a nurse. But it's weird because how did she tie herself up, like you said, if it was her? Because if she did have split personality or or the disorder, she wouldn't know what her other self is doing when she calls the husband or whatever. And when she writes out the notes and scares the dog or kills the cats or whatever. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. It's like you have this dog that you love. Like, can you imagine doing that to your dog? Yeah. Yeah. It's like in your right mind. If you're split, if you're split personality, which is interesting. I've been meaning to look it up, but in the movie Split. split and glass, they talk about, his one personality doesn't have diabetes, but his other one does, and he needs the shots when he's that one, but when he's the other one, his body, and I don't know, that could be all hooey right. and fake, but it's interesting where, as a split person, you're not that person, so you don't know the dog, so you're going to scare the dog or kill the cats, but how are you going to tie yourself up and right. all that stuff? I know, it's crazy to me. So, the police believe that Cindy staged her disappearance and committed suicide by ingesting all the drugs. Mm-hmm. A not-expert den- demonstrated that it was, was possible to hogtie yourself in the 15 to 20 minutes it would take for those drugs to take effect. However, mm-hmm. 
There are 15 to 20 minutes. Wow, yeah. Well, meaning you could tie yourself up in two minutes, 15 minutes before it took effect. Yeah. Yeah. However, there appeared to be an injection mark in Cindy's arm, though no syringe was found at the scene. If Cindy had injected morphine into her bloodstream, she would have been rendered unconscious immediately. Oh, so you wouldn't add 15 minutes. Right. If she so there's that. (laughs) Cindy's family argued that there was no way her body could have been in the yard the entire two weeks she was missing. And as it was located next to road with constant traffic. So it's likely that she would have been seen. An entomologist testified that Cindy's body had likely been on the scene in at that scene since around June 2nd, which still left one week when her whereabouts were unaccounted for. Um, and another, it wasn't that podcast, but it was something else that I was listening to. But they were talking about that that was a party house and there mm-hmm. had actually been a party during that two weeks and nobody had run across her body. Wow. So there's also the fact that she could have been killed somewhere else and then dumped there. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. A three-month coroner's inquest was held to determine Cindy's cause of death with over 80 witnesses called to testify. And and the jury could not reach a decision and determine that Cindy died of an unknown event. Hmm. Ozzy Caban, um, the guy that was her uh-huh. bodyguard, yeah. he never believed that she committed suicide. suicide. Well, that's good. Makepeace, her ex-husband, Roy Makepeace, believed that Cindy had suffered from multiple personality disorder, like I was saying before. Mm-hmm. Ozzy, he didn't believe that she would have been able to stage the scene, but others believed it was possible. In Vancouver, the coroner ruled that her death was not suicide, an accident, or a murder. Mm. Yeah, that's what we were saying. Yeah, it's unknown. So what was it? Which, yeah, it sucks for it the family. To pick one. Because, yeah. They're never yeah. going to know. Yeah. It's like they they found her body, but nobody, they can't well, figure out what happened. And back to my story real quick. That's what they said about him being reincarnated as a boy, if that was true. The sister liked it because she knew what happened. Right. The plane got hit, was on fire, you know, because that guy... That was next to him flying the plane didn't know who he was. Right. He just knew that he saw him and never. So now she's able to, oh, that's how he died. Put it together, corroborated it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and then Cindy's parents never doubted their daughter was murdered. Otto believed that the police did not investigate the possibility of homicide or somebody murdering her. Instead, they zeroed in on trying to prove that she committed suicide and that she was doing all this to herself. Yeah. They believe someone in Vancouver is getting away with murder. Wow. Did they ever investigate if any other, on that other podcast, they talk about any other killings that happened? No, but they, I mean, they talked about that her ex-husband was a suspect at some point. And then that guy, the cop that was living with her, um, was also suspect at one time. Yeah. She also had gone uh, undergone hypnosis like three times. Mm -hmm. And one out of those three times she passed. Oh, wait. The hypnosis, not a hypnosis. She had done a lie detector oh, okay. test three right. times, and one out of those three times. And those are 
Yeah, I passed one, and yeah. I used to steal from Casa Boutique all the time. So yeah, I yeah. mean, you can't even use those in court. That's yeah. just like a. It's yeah. not really science. It's, it's. I get it where people are nervous and they're gonna. But if you're a psychopath or a uh, what do you call it, a guy that has no, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel you're right. gonna pass that because that's yeah. Your, that doesn't yeah. make you nervous. It's yeah. not gonna even register for you. So anyways, on one of the podcasts that I was listening to, they um, had talked about that she'd gone under hypnosis a couple of times. And one of the threads that I was reading online, um, it had basically said that her ex-husband, Dr. Roy Makepeace, was apparently friends with another psychiatrist by the name of Dr. James Tyhurst. And around 1982, Cindy, still married to Roy, took a trip with him to Gabriola Island to visit a few other friends, all of whom happened to be psychiatrists. Um, she initially claimed to see her husband, her husband under hypnosis. She's saying that she saw her husband and another psychiatrist cutting up and disposing of a dead body. She initially told a couple about this but she was pass- but they passed it off that she was crazy no one believed that two well respected psychiatrists would do such a thing yeah did you ever watch gothica uh no i didn't was that the movie or was there a show no it was a movie i saw the movie back in the day yeah with hal berry yeah halle yeah. berry and it kind of had like when i was reading some of this stuff it kind of made me think of that like because yeah, like her husband was a psychiatrist was kind of the same way yeah where yeah. and then they were playing the mind games with her because yeah. she like stumbled into some, whatever they were doing well and that's what they were saying about uh elizabeth short the black dahlia that it could have been some doctors that are you know could have been a group of doctors that are just creepy weird experimenters and all kinds of stuff that which, they murdered her which leads me to a, a funny thing. So I had this guy who's, who I trained, and he goes, oh, so you like movies? I do a movie, online movie magazine. I said, oh, so I'm thinking this guy knows movies like I know movies. So he goes, what about, uh, he said, I said, I'm doing one on Charlie Chaplin and da-da-da. And he goes, oh, yeah, Chapman. He calls him Chapman. Yeah, I, I know the Chapman Theater. I know how it smells where Charlie Chapman used to perform. And I'm thinking, like, you're how wrong. You're saying it wrong. Yeah, like the inside the theater. Like, he's been in the theaters. What That's weird. And, right. And I said, okay. But then later, he's going, we're driving. And I go, so, yeah, I did. He goes, you ever do them on directors? I said, yeah, I'm training him. And I said, yeah, I did one on uh, David Fincher, I said, you know, he did Fight Club and and uh, Gone Girl. And he goes, I thought Ben Affleck did that. I said, no, he's in it. He did Gone Baby Gone. And he was like, oh, he goes, didn't Fincher do that one, the chi- the chasing one? He goes, Chinese Connection. I go, the Bruce Lee movie? No. And he goes, and I knew he didn't mean that. But he goes, no, no, that one. I go, the French Connection? He goes, yeah. I go, no. David Fincher wasn't even old enough to direct a movie then. He goes, oh, he wasn't? Oh, and it was one of those where you go, okay, you don't know movie. You have an online magazine, but you don't know movies. <laughs> and then uh, what I'm getting at is then we started talking about murders. I was either telling him about your podcast or talking about murders. And I said, uh, I go, it's like back Black Dahlia. Right. But I didn't say Black Dahlia. I said... I said, it's weird with these killings that you don't know what happened unsolved. 
And he goes, yeah, it's like that black medallia. And I go, you mean black dahlia? He goes, yeah, wasn't she cut into several pieces? I go, she's cut into two pieces. I go, she was left in front of somebody's house. Well, you know what I think it takes to be a killer is you just got to have a basement to hold somebody in. I said, no, you got a wide range of killers. There's the ones that hold you, torture you, and kill you. There's the ones that kill you right away. There's a treasure, you know, and he's like, oh, and it's one of those, like, you don't know movies, you don't know serial killers. Like, Why are we talking about this? Yeah, exactly. What what else can we talk about? Yeah. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, it's okay. Um, So also on this thread that I was reading, she found out that the psychiatrist was practicing radical psychiatry psychiatric therapies and sexually abusing some of his female patients Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. possibly like i I wasn't able to corroborate this anywhere else not long after this trip to gabriella island cindy and roy broke up dr james tyhurst in real life has since been charged and convicted of sexual abuse on one of his patients with numerous others coming forward as well wow So there's that. So in conclusion, Cindy James was either confused, psychotic, or totally innocent, but she was sounding more and more confused as her despair deepened. Yeah, it was a downward spiral where, but that's a good one where you don't know, like what, how could she tie herself up? The injection, the other one wasn't an injection, like, you know, there was no hole. They never got fingerprints on anybody. On the notes, on nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Before I was before I listened to that weird podcast, I was kind of like, okay, she's crazy. She did this to herself. Like yeah. based on everything else I was reading, and then I listened to listened to that one. So, anybody that's listening to this, if you want to hear another take on it, yeah, um, it was it was really interesting. Well, that's so. like talking about these shows that are interesting is like. Um, making a murder people watch that remember after it came out people were just like oh my god I can't believe that guy was railroaded how dare right. and it's like do some and it's just like Facebook oh Trump says you know what was it my friend a friend of me and the wife's wrote he's only on Facebook a friend I talk to him every once in a while but he wrote oh I've heard now there's a new law where Mexicans can just vote now and you don't need any kind of ID and my wife did some research and put that up under his Facebook thing of like, like no, Google here's it. the real you know, story. It's literally yeah. at your fingertips yeah. now. And and he was like, Oh, okay, you know, or whatever, liked it. Right. And but it's the thing of with making a murder, everybody's like, Oh my god. With the podcast serial, everybody's like, Oh my god, this guy's railroad. No, you need to do some investigation right. and look it up. And a friend of mine, she just wrote me the other day, she goes did you listen to Cyril, you and Danielle? And I said, yeah. And she goes, we need to listen to this podcast now because she said, what did you think before? I said, my wife said, yeah, he did it. Me, I got some questions. I don't have reasonable doubt. I can't right. if I was a jury. But I said, he probably did it. And she goes, listen to this and it'll totally make you know all the information. And it's like you were saying about the crank calls what they didn't talk about on making a murder that they touched on a little bit was how she would get a call when she was with her friend and she would be like, Oh, and hang up. And her friend was like, what's that? And she's like, just some weirdo that keeps calling me. And it was him that kept calling her. And finally was like, 
it's not me, but come and look at the cars. And she was like, I'm not going to go there if it's you because you answer the door in a towel. Right. And he's like, no, it's my name's Jimmy. And they're like, okay. And she shows up and sure as shit, there he is. And he kills her. Right. So. No, with her, there's like, there were actually people with her when she would receive phone calls. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not finding it like most. With her, yeah. Most of the, um articles that are online is almost like copy and paste of yeah. the same thing so there yeah. none of them mentioned that but i heard it on some podcasts so it was like okay they must be getting this information out of the books yeah and then also at work she got some phone calls and oh, those wow. were answered by the receptionist it was like and she's at work yeah, so yeah. and they don't really ever mention that so it was like and that was brought up in the weird pot so it was like it was like these two different like yeah where you go well she can't be crazy if she wouldn't have called herself. I mean, she could have, but right. the likelihood of it is no. But, yeah, yeah. that's weird. Yeah. yeah. So, who knows? Strange. Yeah, yeah. there's weird people Definitely out there. Definitely mysterious. So, no. that's what I have for tonight. That's all I got, I think. Thank you so much. You're welcome. For hopping me with yeah. us today. Well, now you got a show to put up, so that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Philip. No problem. And, and Thank then, you. I'm also going to be on your show. Yes. Coming up. Yes. And we're going to be talking um, about a couple of movies. It was going to be tonight, but now we ran so long. Yeah. And you have work to do, so and, school. And you your have school wife to is go waiting to in for the morning. You. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want um, to keep her so waiting. So we'll do it some other time. Um, but yeah, we'll talk movies, either horror movies or something. I'm not big into horror movies, but if you and the husband like horror movies, then we can talk horror movies. Or you said your favorite film is Princess Bride, which totally. you said don't laugh at you. Everybody loves Princess I Bride. I love Princess Bride. I think the harder thing to find is people who don't love Princess Bride. Like, you think so? Those are the weirdos. Like, yeah, yeah, I think, like, who who wouldn't? Like, you'd have to be a psychopath not yeah, to Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you'd have to be what's your name's husband or somebody. Um, no, that's, uh, I was going to do a Masked Heroes episode, and it was going to be the original Lone Ranger from 1980 and uh, Zora the Gay Blade, which I love, and then princess bride but now i dropped it down to two films that i do on my podcast so now it's going to be lone ranger and zorro uh so you and i can talk about princess bride so that'll yeah. Work. yeah okay let's do that all right oh. thank you guys for listening yes thank and hanging you. out with was, us tonight thanks for pleasure you're welcome everybody have a good night hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of tipsy tales music by jesse Pesqueda, artwork by sergio hernandez and if you're listening on itunes please don't forget to rate and review thanks